This is Boss Women Unfold, the podcast, a series of honest and empowering conversations with phenomenal women. I am your host, Noelle Sam, and your journey to be empowered starts now. Today, I'm talking to my friend Abisara Makol. Abisara is the CEO and founder of Inheritance Curl Spine Montreal and the founder of the Natural Hair Congress. As a business owner, Abisara wanted to create a safe space for women to talk about hair. So we did just that. And we discussed how her mission to empower and educate has inspired a million dollar business. Abisara, welcome to Boss Women Unfold. Thank you so much for having me here. It's truly a pleasure. I've been waiting for this moment probably since maybe two weeks after I met you. Wow. Because the level of intensity I got from meeting you was like, who's this? Who's this woman? Who's this lady? I asked myself the same <sighs> question when I met you. What is she exactly. made of? Oh. And I feel that um, having a platform where there's a conversation that can be heard by more women and other people out there is such a privilege to share because I consider this a very very precious bond yes absolutely so would you like to introduce yourself to our audience and maybe let's let them know a little bit of how we know each other how we met and how we got to be here wow okay. <laughs> <laughs> um my name is abisara i'm the founding creative inheritance curl spa that turned into Inheritance franchises, inheritance accessories, inheritance curl care. The inheritance exactly. empire. <laughs> We're building on it. We're working on exactly that. Um, it's coming, uh, very soon is coming the Inheritance Academy. Uh, we uh, did the Natural Hair Congress. Yes. And you, beautiful lady, crossed my path on in this conference, this woman conference. What? I don't know if you do remember. I don't remember the title of it, but it was this woman conference, and I only got there by accident yes yes that's that was when i first met you and you had red hair yes and you were on my table and the universe made it that you were put there because it was such oh, a oh um, the women yes initiative and oh it was my. a very very um how would to how do i put this in politically correct terms um monogamous setting and I was so happy to see you. <laughs> there was really a, it was uh, definitely not as inclusive. Yes, it was not as, as inclusive. Most as events have come to become to be. now. Yeah. Wasn't it interesting that it was a women initiative? It was a women's initiative, and now we're here talking about boss <laughs> ladies. So we are coming full, full circle, circle in every way. In every way. Yeah. I haven't thought of that event since yeah. forever. So me neither. This but is... that event brought me you. You, you know. I remember really you that. gave me your business card yes. and you said, "Let's be in touch." Yes. And it was agreed that we both were at this event to meet, not yes. for what the event represented. Absolutely. I want to understand why so much of you went into building inheritance because we know that you are not a hairdresser. And I know even from meeting you that it was never the surface of the results. Like it's not just the hair. Because for those who don't know, inheritance is started as a curl spa because it's to take care and help you embrace the natural beauty of your curls. So much of you, because your studies, a lot of people may not know that, but your studies are very intrinsically linked 
to inheritance. Tell us more about that too. I grew up in Austria. I grew up in Austria as a black girl of a white mom with blonde straight hair. A mom that had no idea on how to take care of my hair um, with not being able to be a projection of black female identity. I couldn't see, I couldn't mirror, I couldn't see my mirror within my mom. Um, so having to look outside and elsewhere for who I am and how to identify myself as a black woman, as a black girl growing up. So I studied mostly to um, gain a vocabulary for all of the feelings that I felt growing up. Racism, sexism, oppression, the, um, the interconnection of those two and three systems of oppression and how to maneuver in a complete white supremacist society and how to constantly be defined by the other, by, by the majority as a minority, as the other, be marginalized. All of those things, I, I couldn't really name them, they just happened. Um, like what people compared me with, you know, as in the, the, the stigmatized that you got, uh, was like, yeah, monkey, uh, you know, a big uh, black mama. No, it's okay that you're voluptuous, that's just you. Very asexualized or very, very promiscuous. We have games called, who's scared of the big black man? I mean, you learn this, you play these as a four-year-old, as a five-year-old. So what does that do to you? So it was always very much um, associated to strong racist stereotypes that I've been growing up with and learned how to identify myself as a black woman. So studying political sciences and communication, I focused most of my work on understanding racism, on understanding black feminism. Um, so when so, you're doing those studies, sorry, because I'm like so yeah. caught up into this. When you're studying this and your mom is a white yes. woman, and your father, your, your, your late father, is wasn't like. How do you now? Where yes, do you stand? Oh, uh, absolutely! It's it was um, super important for me to constantly tell my mom about everything I'm studying, and uh, she was eating this up uh, like alive. She really, really loved it because obviously um, she's not able to relate to all of the topics in the same way, and she has a privileged position. And we saw this growing up at all all times. I mean, when you know we entered a shop and people would say, "Look out!" You know, my mom could not bring her uh, wallet and uh, they tell her, come come back tomorrow, we know you're going to pay. Mm -hmm. So that privilege is something that is just part of your everyday life and you might not even be aware of it. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important for white people and for, um, yeah, for people of European descent and, and um, being part of a majority to understand what majority privileges mean to them, what kind of impact they have on their lives. And only then they're able to understand, I could look differently. And it, I think it's so important to not put guilt on each and every person. Because it's such it's a, a negative energy that is not going to yeah. bring results that either parties would benefit from. Yes, and to understand it's bigger than you. It's bigger than the individual. It's mm -hmm. systematic. We're talking about systems, right? And it's only you with your everyday actions that are upholding certain systems or deconstructing certain systems. So by sharing and talking about it, by sharing that knowledge, we're able to now slowly make a, you know, make little steps yeah. towards deconstructing the system. Well, and that's it. Creating a bit more When you talk about the system, like for example, how the Me Too movement brought to the forefront like the, the gender gap. Yes. 
of just a pay gap and how, let's say, a white woman is paid differently, a black woman is paid differently, and a Hispanic woman is paid differently. Absolutely. All these are now conversations, yes. especially with social media, Absolutely. that we can explore more, with more confidence because there are so many platforms that afford the conversation to be had. Even having this podcast discussion right now, yeah. it's opening the conversation and it's not pointing fingers. It's really saying, this is a system, it's happening. You're either, like you said, helping it sustain or helping it dissolve. So for you, Growing up in a oppressive system environment for a non-white person maybe was the driven force, like yeah. the driving force for you to now be part of a, a hair revolution, really. <laughs> I was called little boy all the time because my hair, my mom just cut my hair because we always had license school and we were the first victims. So my hair was short most of the time. And then when I had it long, it was very, it was very much associated with pain. So for me, pretty was just not... A, a, like an, a quality that I could ever ever own as a little girl growing up I never felt pretty I never felt pretty until very much later on like 17 maybe so being um, considered pretty being considered beautiful was very much uh, something foreign to me a foreign concept and something I craved for mm. deeply and not on that superficial level but really on that level where you feel I am enough and mm. I am right the way I Do, am Wow. and Do I think that's when we talk about safe spaces, this is where the, the passion for creating those kind of safe spaces comes from. Abisa and her then husband arrived in Montreal 10 years ago. Since its beginnings in 2012, the mission behind inheritance has never changed. Abisa created a safe space that educates and empowers women to embrace their natural hair and beauty. I'm in Canada and I'm like, how difficult is it to get hair products? And it's interesting enough, 10 years ago, Montreal was very, very backwards when it came to natural hair. There was not a lot, a lot of people um, wearing that. So you could almost spot them out on the street saying, mm -hmm. oh, you got natural hair, so let me, let me holler at you. You know, it was really one of those things where it was not like now. And no, it's I amazing. am so happy to see a how the landscape has changed, it's, it's, you know? It's changed. Absolutely, it has changed so much, and I want to believe that we play a Yeah, I believe you did, because in a way, you have a community, a tribe, and these people have connections, and they have their own network. Yes. So there's a ripple effect, in a way. And so when you decide that you're now taking things further, and you're here, and you start Inheritance, which I remember when you said that it started with like a pop-up, and you just literally rented a small space, put your products. Yeah. Tell me more, like, was it you deciding that you needed to have the products here or was it a conversation with other women that made you realize that there were not enough products here? Yeah, it was like, both. It like was exactly market both. research. No, I didn't do that fancy, fancy way. I, I made it very personal. Um, so there was this one sister who's still in business today and we actually collaborated with her. Um, she had an online shop and I'm stingy for shipping. I really didn't want to pay the hundred something dollars for shipping because I bought so many products mm. in Toronto or from New York and then being stuck with customs. So I was like, okay, it can't be that I have to meet in front of a bookstore on somebody's lunch break to get to get my natural this hair is too, This is just this like, is not. I'm 50 flying minutes away from New York. I can't. Like that, I, that my arrogance comes in. I'm like, I thought I'm in North America, y'all. Like, <laughs> 
God, I am what is this? Europe. Like, what is happening? You know, like, I, I felt like I'm in the wrong film. I'm like, no, this is false advertisement. You all lured me in here. Oh I got here. And it's so not advanced. It's just not advanced. What is this? But then I, I realized there's a huge benefit. Huge opportunity. Exactly. That are not. And Max has been always told me that. Like, yeah, things are not already, you know, in, set in stone. Because I lived in New York for years before. I lived in New York for seven years, you know? So I was like, oh, I'm going to have a black bookstore. And then I was like, oh, that's not going to make no money at all. Like, the margins are really, really small. So, But that's really, that was my first dream, to build a black bookstore in Montreal. And then um, I was like, okay, no, it's going to be hair products because this is not possible, right? We are just kind of like tapped into that same energy that is already there and evolving. And we went with that flow. And um, yeah, and that made that, made that first inheritance um little store like you said it was a wall yeah so i never even thought about having my own business i never ever conceived myself as a businesswoman, right ever i'm one of those people like i was very scared to start something by myself and and then i realized you know what this is this is we're just gonna do it it's just like and i have nothing to lose it was really that moment of i have nothing to lose i took my last three thousand dollars of savings that i had i bought all of the hair products that i loved being a hair care junkie you know hair product junkie for decades really came in service like it really came up it was your training yes it was my training in every way um i didn't make my own hair products in berlin so i got a little bit of that as well and then i created a space that i wanted to have all my life a space where you can come in and talk about your hair So you said something interesting because I know that we've touched on a lot of subject, but you said something that you never actually considered yourself to be a businesswoman or never actually saw yourself as a businesswoman. And at what point did you realize, wait, I am a businesswoman? At what point? <laughs> and, and has that changed, maybe that realization shifted how you had to get things done or navigate the, the system? Yeah, I think it was like maybe a good year in when I realized, so it was the first three months we had a wall that I rented for four hundred dollars. Then, um, that was in June, September. We opened the first little salon with two chairs. And then when I realized, oof, we are booked up for three months in advance, I started to get stressed out because I realized if you're not preparing for your success, you are creating frustration, and mm. people started hating on you. And I'm like, who do you think you are? Not having any availabilities. And I realized, oof, it can turn so quickly against so you. So, did you, along the way, did you get? mentors did you take course like did you get any type of help to help yeah. you navigate the because there was the passion there was the heart and the story yes but at the core of the business so at what point like did you get any help to do it or was it just it came to you naturally or maybe think, through mistakes I, or whatever no i get help all the time so i'm constantly i'm this person who constantly wants to evolve and i know i, I didn't do an mba so i know i have no idea of what i'm doing here you know so like literally You're too like, humble but it's no good. but it's the truth like I, I i'm just doing things mostly intuitively right so i i it got a lot of help and i have to honestly say that a lot of the help was very disappointing mm. i mean i had <laughs> because one of the things that uh, i've been constantly confronted with um as a black businesswoman that is young and that is bubbly, you know, is that I get underestimated. They think you're naive. All times, yes. People think I'm highly, highly naive. People think I'm really, really sweet, which I believe I am. You <laughs> are, but you know? sweet doesn't but mean, I mean stupid. Business. At the end of the day, exactly. I do mean business. And so um, I noticed I get constantly underestimated, and that's a tool. That's something I can use because people don't see me coming. Today, inheritance is a million-dollar business. And just last year, 
Abisa and her team celebrated another success by opening their first franchise. I asked her about this most recent addition to the inheritance family and what it meant to her as a businesswoman. Um, in Martinique, we have a franchise in Martinique, so inheritance became a franchise. And that moment last year in February, actually, um, we opened this space publicly. And it did something tremendous to my soul because you realized that your dream is now somebody else's dream. You passing on a dream. And as we speak, like two days ago, um, we are, did the test run for Inheritance Germany. And just going through the motion of reading everything in German and remembering of how much I suffered of just identifying as anything that is close to beauty. And now all of those Afro-Germans and Afro-Austrians and Afro-Swiss and Afro-Lichtenstein kids have the opportunity to find hair products in their own language and wow. at their disposal, you know, that are natural, that are not full of toxins, that are really embracing all of their different textures that they have. That's the part that is political. When you understand that you're beautiful, when you understand that you have not been a mistake, God didn't create the universe, whatever you want to believe in, didn't create a mistake by creating you, mm. that your hair the way it is, is, is perfection. perfection. And we're just giving you the tools, right? To, perf to, to, to embrace just, it, to and embrace to it, to love it, it, to care for it. Mm. Then you have a complete different standing in the world. Of course, because Absolutely. if you're told that, well, you know, we don't want this type of hairstyle here, yes. and also you don't have anything to care for it, it makes it more difficult, then you're discouraged because it's of like, well, course. I do want to embrace it, but if it's going to take me three hours to do this before I go to work, this is not going to happen. Exactly. This is where reality, visibility, and colonialism all come in at once, right? Mm. Because at that point you see, wow, um, Suppression systems have made it that we lost all of the knowledge on how to even take care of our hair. So I find our black hair story very much correlates with our black history, right? Because we have been enslaved, colonized, taken away from our roots, taken away from our knowledge, get, taken away the, the possibility, the opportunity to, to take care of ourselves. And then um, creating a whole billion dollar industry in buying hair from other ethnicities, to put them on my head, to resemble something else that I'm not. So it's crazy. No it's judgment really... at all. We understand where this comes from, and when I understand where this comes from, I understand what kind of scars this must have created within me, and what traces this has up until now. What kind of self talk? So when you look and... at that, like you are now, what twenty nine? Yes. 29 okay, of course, always. Exactly. always. Mm -hmm. But what do you say to the fifteen year old? 18-year-old, 20-year-old, or the 29, 39-year-old who has not gone through so much learning, right. who still has the learning, who still maybe experienced doubt, self-worthiness issues, what do you say to her? What can you say to her? That absolutely no one uh, will be able to fill that emptiness. Absolutely no one but you. And if you are going to start working on your own happiness, if you're going to create the frequency and the life that you want to live, you will attract the right person that will just compliment you. If you are um, unhappy and you're trying to uh, fulfill that space with somebody, meaning I don't feel beautiful, but he thinks I'm really gorgeous, so I'm going to stick with him because he thinks I'm gorgeous. I want bad idea. Girl, that boy will not think or that girl will not think that you're gorgeous anymore because you've actually never felt that way yourself. And I think this is the main, the main work 
should really go into yourself and into your own healing, into um, understanding how beautiful and how unique and what amazing gifts each and every individual on this earth is and you are, you know, mm -hmm. and once you start getting a feel for it and really feel it and be that by, by starting a little bit artificially in the beginning and just telling yourself, you know, in the mirror, exactly, like, I love me. Or telling yourself, looking at yourself, I love you. And um, reprogramming yourself, you know, slowly but surely. I, I do believe that at one point that reprogramming becomes your autopilot, your default mode. Your new default and settings. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you're able to much, much more differentiate between somebody who has who has genuine love for you, who is ready to grow with you, than somebody who's there to just take or just be a placeholder for something. Mm. And I, I do believe that you'll know how I'm done in a sense of all experiences are good. It's just if you want to lessen your pain, start working on yourself first. Mm. So that's a, that's a tweet. Yeah. Start with yourself, start within. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Because pain is almost inevitable, but it's how yes. you react to it and Absolutely. how you navigate the experience itself that makes a big difference. Yes. I always want to ask the women I have a chance to sit down with, what are three books that have either changed your life or really helped you grow that you want to pass on? Yeah. What are those three books? Um, amazing books this year that I've read, uh, because there's so many amazing books, but three books this year, Attached, Bill Levine, Amir Levine, um, it's super, super interesting about attachment theory, mm. how we attach to people, phenomenal. I think it's such an eye-opener. Atomic Habit and The Power of Habit, I kind of put them in one category, why? Because it's super important to find out how, how are you wired? What habits um, did you uh, create by yourself? Which habits have been given to you by society? And how can you now take control over the habits that you want to perpetuate every day? And then another book that um, it's been years I've not read anything nonfiction. And I absolutely, like, I, I went to Costa Rica on a yoga retreat. I just read this and I literally kept pages because I didn't want to finish it. It's that good? It was that good. It was Binti, a science fiction um, trilogy. I read the whole trilogy. Um, Nidhi Okafora, I think we got it. Yeah, Okafora. Uh, exactly. Um, what a beautiful storytelling, mesmerizing world she is seducing you you into and it's all an African futuristic sci-fi world bringing very old cultural values and, and, and traditions into a futuristic kind of alien alien spaced out setting and wow. it is phenomenal Never I, heard I think of it, she should so. have like this all should be a movie. I want to have more. If you listen, like, make it happen. Amazing. We might just tag her on Instagram. And she her is her. amazing. Okay. Like, it was mesmerizing. Like, wow. what a treat. Okay, so my final <laughs> question for you, because they cannot be a final question, but for the sake of today's podcast discussion, your definition of success and how it evolved over yes. the years for you. I love that you asked this question. I am just, I asked myself this question by the end of this decade and what success meant all this time for me no longer works. <laughs> it doesn't. I am exactly in the process of redefining what success means to me. Wow. And one of those, I think I need to develop different currencies for me of success. And that means start counting and start measuring different um different uh, things that are not money, but as in 
for example, leaders that I'm creating, um, smiles that we put on faces, moments of gratitude that we're able to experience, moments of really feeling 100% aligned. When I was standing in Martinique and inaugurating this space with this new team in Martinique and bringing you know, natural hair care and self-love into an island, before, before that I've never really set foot on. This was a moment of, I'm in my purpose, I'm in my alignment, I'm doing, I'm doing the job I'm supposed to do. So um, do you feel now that success is, for you at this point, more tied to the actual legacy of your work? than actual numbers of saying, okay, but yes, we made 10 absolutely. point millions, we made this much, we made that. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. it's, it's on how many people are able to attach to that dream and keep on spreading it, you know? You are, on your, like, you, I can feel it versus when we talked maybe five years ago. And I can very happily say that what you were scratching in your notebook, in your office, five years ago when I sat down with you. I remember. You're doing it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Boss Women Unfold, the podcast. A special thank you to Breather for supporting this podcast. Breather, space made simple. Modern meeting and office space, all to yourself, for hours, days, or months. Visit breather.com to learn more. Thank you to all the people who made this project possible, the wonderful women we interviewed, and the equally amazing women who helped us put this all together. Thank you, Jennifer, Leah, Sephora, and Sharia for your help. And a special thank you to the hubby and my daughter for making it easy. Boss Women Unfold is recorded in Montreal. It is hosted and created by Noelle Sam and produced and edited by Alexandra Jureko. 